Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC on WHTC.com and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Thursday, January 4th. First Thursday of the month, we are joined to talk about law enforcement and other matters with Allegan County Sheriff Frank Baker. He's in the other side of our Zoom connection this morning. Frank, good morning. Happy New Year, sir. Good morning, Gary. Happy New Year to you. And if you have a question for Sheriff Frank Baker, he'll be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. Frank, I do need to address this right off of the bat. It um, as we began, or just before our uh, conversation, it was alluded to by Peter King of CBS News. This is the latest we have on the situation. Officials are confirming reports of a shooting at a high school in Perry, Iowa. That's in the middle of the state. Uh, at Perry High School, law enforcement will provide an update uh, momentarily. Uh, unconfirmed reports, shooter is injured, school reportedly cleared. Uh, a GOP presidential candidate... Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was in Perry for a campaign event this morning, and in a post, the candidate asked for prayers for the Perry community. Uh, it's about 40 miles northwest of Des Moines. Again, with the caveat, Frank, that this is a developing story, and as we chat, we just don't know all of the details in this particular situation. But as a law enforcement official in responsibility for uh, uh, communities throughout Allegan County, this is one story you just don't want to have in your neighborhood. No, and it's it's a tragic uh, situation, Gary. I mean, you know that uh, that this has now become kind of the norm that we routinely train and prepare for these types of events. I mean, when I started my career in law enforcement, I mean, nobody even really considered something like this. But now it's a it's a regular part of our, our annual training to include response to school shootings. And uh, it's, it's really a really sad situation. And, um, you know, I wish I knew what the answer was. I am, I am happy to be able to, to say that, you know, our way of addressing it is obviously to prepare, to train, and to now, as a result of some of our efforts in the last uh, couple of years, is to get law enforcement within the schools so that uh, hopefully we can identify situations if it involves a student sooner before an event occurs. And if in if a tragedy like that does, that we're there and can respond swiftly. Uh, I know this is something for Ottawa County, and I'll mention it as a uh, as an informative thing. Uh, the Ottawa County Sheriff's Office will have a civilian response to active shooter events class. Uh, that's uh, you can register for the class. It'll be on January the 11th at 7 p.m. through uh, myottawa.org uh, forward slash craze c r a s e. Uh, again, as a public service for Ottawa County. But I bring it up with you, Frank, because of the fact that it's part of the preparation for situations as we are apparently seeing unfold in Perry, Iowa. Sure, Gary, and uh, for the last several years, you know, we've we've provided similar types of trainings, um, more geared specifically to um, to churches and businesses to train their staff to be able to respond if the you know, an event, something like that was to occur. Um, we haven't uh, done it officially through the county, such as that, that uh, you sign up through the county to do it. But uh, we've done it uh, on, a, on, a, on a regular basis, but through the churches and the businesses. Yeah, uh, it's something that unfortunately fact of life 
in 2024. And I don't want, I'm not going to ask you to go too deep into this, but certainly the immediacy of response has to be taken into account. Part of it, of course, there are municipal police departments, I believe, um, uh, Plain Well at Seagulls got one. I think Allegan has one. We- uh, Wayland has one. And, of course, here in Holland. But for the most part, the county's got to do a lot of that other policing itself. And so it falls on your office's shoulders if we have a situation at some of the high schools that are involved without, with Allegan County Sheriff's Department's protection. Sure, that's very true, Gary. Obviously, we're a large rural county, and it'd be impossible to uh, provide uh, staffing to the level to be able to respond as quickly as say a municipal department would because of the close proximity. But uh, one of the things that we do is we work very closely with our local police agencies. We train together um, on our, on our basic, uh, you know, response to active shooter type uh, drills and trainings. And that's all done in coordination with them. So that, uh, and as well as the state police and our tribal police partners as well, because, uh, you know, as you know, it's, this is going to be a, a call that comes out that it doesn't matter what agency you're from, you're going to be responding. You're not going to just be waiting for your own backup from your agency. It's going to be first person there is going to go in. And as other law enforcement arrives, they'll be then uh, part of that uh, scenario to take care of the situation. So, yeah, that's why we do train together so that we can help mitigate that that challenge of being such a large county and uh, being able to uh, to make that type of response large in terms of size, larger in terms of growing population, and that is Allegan County. If you got a question for Allegan County Sheriff Frank Baker, he'll be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. I want to bring this story up. Uh, I know we'll talk a little bit about uh, this past year and some of the accomplishments of the department, and I'll look ahead to 2024. We'll get to that in a few minutes, but I do want to bring up this story. Uh, we got a press release from the uh, uh, U.S. Attorney's Office for Western Michigan, Mark Totten's office, yesterday of uh, a conviction and a sentencing of a Hopkins man uh, who was absconding with money from the Gun Lake Casino. Obviously, uh, uh, the tribal police took care of that or had a big idea on that, but certainly when it does involve something that might be a little bit big for the tribal police, uh, your department, as well as the state police post in Wayland probably gets involved as well. Yeah. And one of the things that, uh, you know, it gets really complicated when you're dealing with uh, issues of uh, law enforcement on what we call trust land, because it does have a, a, a sovereign component to that. So then you have to start looking at federal laws and which federal laws apply because there are the, the major crimes act, those laws apply in certain situations. And then at other times, it's going to be enforced under tribal law or state law. So uh, we do work closely with them. Um, they're very uh, they're very good at what they do. They have the resources in place to be able to deal with situations like this. And um, it's kind of mind boggling to me why someone would attempt something like that when, when there's uh, cameras on about everything in that facility, which obviously for a reason, and uh, to makes it makes it difficult to, to to ultimately get away with something like that. So, uh, but uh, obviously, where there's a you know, when some people feel that temptation, they just can't resist, even though they know they're being watched. Yeah, uh, and no matter how how well one might try to hide it, uh, they've been doing surveillance, video surveillance at casinos 
far longer than what we are now seeing uh, on a regular basis with the with the doorbell cams and the uh, surveillance cam- cameras at many many retailers. So you know you, you don't pull a fast one at casinos real no, <laughs> that way. So uh, they make it difficult uh, to do to do something like that for sure. Now I I do want to get one more subject before we look back and look ahead. Uh, January is National Human Trafficking Awareness Month. We got a press release uh, earlier this week from the state police saying their, their motor carrier officers will be teaming with officers from across the nation and the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance to raise awareness of human trafficking. Uh, from January 8th through the 12th, that's next week, uh, uh, motor carrier officers will join their colleagues uh, in, as well as with Truckers Against Trafficking to educate motorists about the signs of human trafficking and to enforce laws that crack down on traffickers. Frank, we've talked about this in your segment in the past where the Allegan County Sheriff's Department has been very much proactive in dealing with human trafficking. So that's why I'm bringing it up with you right now. Yeah, it's one of those things, Gary, that uh, a lot of times people don't fully understand what exactly is considered human trafficking. It's easy to kind of think of it maybe only as a sex trade or maybe only as a labor. But uh, there's different various ways that in which people are uh, fall victim to human trafficking and um, it's one of the trainings that we do provide for our for our deputies is to try to identify situations in which somebody is Um, because oftentimes it's difficult for them they don't feel safe reporting it and coming forward even when they do have contact with law enforcement so it helps for us to be able to recognize those signs and uh, and for the public to understand that too so that uh, hopefully if they do see something that they feel is is potentially that type of a crime a human trafficking event or an ongoing human trafficking crime that uh, they can notify us so that we can investigate, look into it, and hopefully um, be able to uh, rescue that individual from that situation. How concerning then becomes a situation where generations ago, and I have to use the plural on this, when we talk about a runaway, uh, we're just thinking about, you know, being out in the streets alone and all that. Nowadays, if you're dealing with a runaway, I hate to say it, dollars to donuts, but I am going to say dollars to donuts. They're going to be probably ensnared in a human trafficking web one way or another. Yeah, that easily happens. And one of the challenges we have is that um, it used to be, you know, in the old days, I'll say, because when my career started, that, uh, that you know, it was the one of those things that you kind of thought of occurred at bus stops and uh, train stations and places where someone without a lot of money and a lot of means would try to travel. And so that they could be victimized, somebody comes along that's willing to take care of them, provide them a meal, get them transportation, and then all of a sudden they fall victim to this. But uh, nowadays, with the advent of technology, uh, the computer, you know, you've got people contacting people, making relationships over that. And then the next thing you know, there's an arrangement made for someone to meet up and uh, then they take them out of out of their home, let's say, and then uh, provide them with an it provides the suspect with an opportunity to get somebody and have access to somebody that they can then um, uh, victimize. So let's follow up on one more thing along those lines. If someone does see a situation that could be construed as human trafficking, what's the best way to to handle that? Obviously, let the authorities handle the situation. Don't try to do anything yourself. But what do they do? They just call a, a central dispatch, 911? What? Yeah, they can call. They can call our office, Silent Observer. Um, provide the details that they're aware of, 
And then um, it's something that we can then begin researching, looking into and seeing if we can uh, then uh, make a determination as to whether or not it is that is a human trafficking um, situation. And we'll make those arrests. And the, the key reason why I, I'm going to bring this up, especially with the silent observer aspect of it, you can leave a tip. You don't have to be involved because some people are afraid that if they get involved, retribution could follow back on them. Exactly, Gary. And that's the whole purpose of it, so that uh, people can be anonymous in reporting these types of things and uh, provide the information you have, and then we'll follow up with it from there. 616-395-1450. If you have a question for Allegan County Sheriff Frank Baker, we're talking law enforcement today. 616-395-1450. As you look back at the year 2023, what as what 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 things achievements maybe challenges that happened over the past year that were either met by your department or to a certain extent are going to carry into 2024 and you'd like to see something done about it yeah gary you know um 23 we consider a successful year for us you know we were coming off of a very busy year in 22 as you recall we had a lot of conversations regarding our uh, body camera project which was uh, obviously a, a project that was uh, a challenge for technology. It was a challenge in cost. It's a challenge in training. It's a challenge in, in basically preparing for the future so that uh, we can be able to take care of the data storage. And uh, with that took place at, towards the end of uh, 2022 and uh, got us rolling into 23 with the body cam. So through 23, we began then taking it to the next step. We've now uh, deployed those in the courthouse. We're, uh, we're in the process of actually this next week deploying them to our reserve deputies. Uh, we've also made deployments out to our Marine Patrol so that uh, we can have everyone that's basically out in the public having contact will have access to a body camera. Um, we've even gone as far as utilizing them in the jail itself, even though the jail has surveillance cameras within it. We found that uh, there's a definite benefit in having the body camera itself so that you can actually see what's occurring from the officer's point of view. So uh, we're making that deployment, finishing that up. Uh, one of the big things for 2023 was um, us to be able to, uh, to uh, put uh, deputies within the schools. We talked about it and touched upon it earlier in our conversation regarding that school shooting. But one of my big goals was to get law enforcement back in the schools. Back when I used to work as a detective, we had DARE programs. We had a youth service bureau. We had deputies regularly in the schools. And uh, through some of the economic uh, downturns, those positions were eliminated for budgetary reasons. And on the last few years, we've been working hard at uh, uh, reinstating that type of a, of, a, of, a, of a service. So this last year, we've been able to deploy um uh, school resource officers in the Hamilton Public Schools, the Hopkins Public Schools, the Fenville Public Schools, and also the Martin Schools. So that's been a great, uh, a, a great accomplishment for us, as well as for accomplishments for our local police departments, who uh, were also able to to, to uh, do this as a result of some grant opportunities that were made available this this past year. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, and another thing that uh, we were successful in doing and is that is adding township contracts uh, in the uh, Allegan Township and also uh, for the Fenville City. So we're now uh, taking care of policing in, uh, in Fenville City as uh, they had an opportunity to uh, evaluate the service. As you know, um, their police chief had retired 
and uh, left them with a with a time to make a decision as to contracting or continuing on their own. They chose to uh, contract with us, so we're now uh, policing Fenville City. And then we also have, like you say, a, a township deputy working in Allegan Township. Uh, a couple other small type accomplishments. We were able to um, do some research, and uh, we're now using what's called a, a wrap in our correction center. In the past, you may have heard of things that we've used to that law enforcement and correction centers in particular was a restraint chair. So when people are uh, acting out in violent, you would um, utilize a chair. Well, now we're utilizing what's called a wrap, and uh, we researched it, trained in it. We have it now in the correction center. We think it's a better opportunity for us to be able to control individuals and uh, also look out for their safety and their health as well. Um, one of the things that we've been very successful at is recruiting. As you know, law enforcement has been challenged in the last couple of years with uh, staffing. And we've been able to, um, to, to meet our staffing needs. We've been able to recruit uh, not only from, um, from uh, you know, the colleges, the police academies, but also from other departments as well. We've had several individuals join us from other uh, West Michigan law enforcement agencies and uh, from other states as well. We've uh, just recently hired um, someone from South Carolina that worked for a sheriff's office down there. We last year hired one from, uh, from Tennessee who uh, chose to move up to Allegan County and, uh, and work with us. And uh, so it's been a kind of a, an exciting time to see all the, 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 the new faces around here. Uh, sometimes a challenge to remember all the names, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's an exciting time to be a part of the Allegheny County Sheriff's Office for sure. Uh, other things that we've been able to do is we ran a reserve police academy. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I know we really haven't talked about too much, but we do utilize reserve deputies. And they have to go through a lot of training to be able to uh, to wear the uniform and work with us. And we rely on them for a, a lot of type of responsibilities and duties that don't necessarily need a certified law enforcement officer for. Traffic control at uh, sporting events, um, different times at the fair, they're providing security at the fair. Uh, when you're in Saugatuck, you might see one on beach patrol. You may see one uh, walking on the sidewalk. But uh, we do utilize reserve deputies for a lot of different things. Um, when we have an inmate at the hospital, we may have a reserve deputy waiting at the hospital providing uh, security for that inmate while they receive treatment. So there's a lot of different things we do, but we do have to train them. And we were successful in running an actual academy for them last year with our own staff teaching and instructing. And, uh, and as, of course, we talked last week, we had a big uniform change, or last month, a, a uniform change, which was a big project that... Uh, so far, I've been hearing overwhelming uh, response from the public that they, they think they look good. They think uh, that uh, it looks professional. And, of course, we're happy with the fact that it's performance-based and it actually helps save our budget a little bit of money. So those are just to, to touch on a few things that, uh, that we, we completed. But uh, we have a lot of things that, uh, of course, we're looking forward to in 24 to, uh, to working on as well. Frank, I, I, I be. We'll talk about 2024 another time I'm because I, I, there's something that did come up yeah. not so much recently, but over the last couple of weeks, we're seeing crime statistics on a national level, uh, murders down. I sort of joke that Murder Incorporated might have to file for Chapter 7 <laughs> bankruptcy because <laughs> there's not that many, but that's, uh, you know, that's that it's not a joking matter, but uh, uh, uh some of the numbers saying crime is down, but yet the public perception 
it does not sort of equate those numbers. In Allegan County, uh, you might not have the final numbers yet, but um, you get a sense that for a, to a certain extent, crime is down in some areas and maybe not as down in other areas. Yeah, I think what we're seeing, Gary, is is a shift in what crime is occurring. Uh, one of the things that uh, that you mentioned, though, is our numbers are not in yet for the year because we rely on um, a lot of different sources for that information to come in. One of the keys key sources being the Uniform Crime Reporting statistics that don't come out till a little bit later. But uh, just for our own um, you know purposes and looking at what we see, one of the things that I that we're noticing is a trend of fewer what we call property crimes like the breaking and enterings, those have gone down. Uh, we did see a spike back during COVID when I think people were, were not working or they were having a little bit too much uh, free time on their hands. So maybe they found themselves getting into a little bit of mischief and trouble that they shouldn't have been. But uh, we did see a little bit of a spike then, but we're trending back to, to, to the break-ins going down. However, we are seeing a rise in certain other types of break-ins. One of the things that we're seeing is a lot of... Um, of the dispensaries being broken into. So we're uh, look, utilizing some uh, technology and some different things to uh, to make us better prepared to investigate those. But the white collar crime, I guess, if you wanna say the, you know, the embezzlements, things like that, I, I still see as, as something that regularly occurs, but the frauds that occur through uh, use of the internet and uh, is, is really just skyrocketed. I mean, it's, Anytime you open your email up, I'm sure you're going to see some type of a scam attempt. And unfortunately, people fall for those every day. And that's a sad situation because oftentimes they're the elderly. They're people that uh, that don't really have the, the you know, they're, they're, they're falling for the scam because they're in a position where maybe this is a good deal for them. Maybe it's something that might help them, help better them. So that they're, they want to see that, that be, that, that, whatever that offer is be true but unfortunately it often isn't the old proverbial if it's too good to be true it's too good to be true and uh so it's very sad because i see this on a regular basis and um, our detectives come in and you know brief me on, on one here or one there um even to the point where they're utilizing us as a means of committing that fraud uh just uh, yesterday one of our, uh, our our administrative people that takes phone calls came in and said two people had called that morning saying that someone from the sheriff's office was calling, telling them that a family member had a, had been arrested and that they needed to pay the bond. Um, another time they call and say, there's a warrant for your arrest. You need to pay now or we're going to be arresting you. And, uh, you know, we don't do that. And we've put that out, of course, on our social media. And I know you and I have talked about it in the past, but uh, it's still happening. It still occurs. And they go as far as to, uh, to utilize the names of our deputies and say this is deputy so-and-so or sergeant so-and-so from the Allegheny County Sheriff's Office, you know, and even to the point of saying we need you to go to a Bitcoin uh, kiosk and pay this. Well, obviously, the Sheriff's Office doesn't utilize Bitcoin for paying bonds, but uh, it's sad. It's very sad. But that's one of the big things I see right now, Gary, is frauds. Frauds are really on the rise. Yeah. Uh, there's some other things as well, but again, we'll have more time to chat about some of the things going on in the Allegan County Sheriff's Department a month from now when we will be joined by Sheriff Frank Baker. Uh, AlleganCounty.org is the website uh, for all things Allegan County and uh, also a way to uh, pass information 
of crimes in the county that uh, maybe need some investigation, uh, the tips would be greatly appreciated. Frank Baker, Sheriff Frank Baker, thank you very much for joining us today. Wish you and everybody with the department well. And if all goes well, we'll do this in about four weeks. Sounds good, Gary. Thank you. Thank you very much. Allegan County Sheriff Frank Baker on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC. CBS News straight ahead, followed by WHTC News. Then we'll have Wellspring from Corwell Health Zeeland Hospital as Meredith Scrotenborough will be chatting with Carlos Cubia, the Chief Inclusion, Equity, Diversity, and Sustainability Officer with Corwell Health. We'll also have Barb Visser's Evergreen Commons Report in the next half hour on WHTC's Talk of the Town.